Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin, and in this podcast for Forgotten Sheep, we're going to talk about Evangeline Booth. She was the first female general of the Salvation Army. So, who exactly was Evangeline Booth? Well, she was the daughter of the founders of the Salvation Army, William and Catherine Booth. She was later a fearless leader, uh, beginning as an officer uh, and progressing uh, her way through the ranks until she was eventually voted general. Uh, She was a gifted orator and an excellent troubleshooter, especially when it came to massive projects. A lot of times when things would go wrong, her father would just send a simple telegram that said, Send Eva. She was, um, as I mentioned, the first woman general of the Salvation Army. Also, and that's that's what she's mainly known for. But there was so much more to Evangeline Booth than just that. Uh, especially in her younger years, there was so much more to her. Um, when I say she was a fearless leader, I mean that in every sense of the word. We're talking about a woman who sent a threatening letter to Hitler, all right, and got her way. So she was truly uh, fearless. Now. She was a Christmas baby. She was born on Christmas Day in 1865, and her full name was Evangeline Corey Booth. Uh, She was born at her parents' home in South Hackney, London. And the story is that her dad, uh, after she was born, put her in a little woven basket to carry her downstairs to show her to her brothers and sisters. And he told them, see what God has sent us for Christmas. Well, her brother... A Bramwell would later tease her and say that her dad brought her downstairs in a waste paper basket. And Evangeline would counter and say, well, that just goes to show you had better be good and careful about what you threw away. But she was born right as the Salvation Army was founded uh, under its original name, the London Christian Mission. So she was there from the very beginning. She was literally born into the Salvation Army. Um, She was the seventh of eight children born to William and Catherine Booth. Now, her family called her Eva. Uh, Her mother had been reading Uncle Tom's Cabin shortly before Eva was born and decided that Eva would be a good name. And she lengthened it to Evangeline, uh, thinking that perhaps Eva would grow up to be a preacher. Now, in the Salvation Army, women preachers were an accepted part of their work from the very beginning, and Eva's own mother, Catherine, was a very uh, anointed preacher. In fact, you can still read her sermons today, and I guarantee you, if you read them and pay attention, you will get convicted. But back to uh, talking about Eva, Catherine had been preaching while she was carrying Eva, and I think that's kind of interesting, too. Well, William, he didn't like the name, and so on the birth certificate, he changed Eva's name to Evelyn, spelled capital E-V-E-L-Y-N-E. Now, as an adult, Eda, I'm sorry, Eva had it changed back to Evangeline, which was her mother's original wish. Now, the home life of the Booth children was very interesting, um... It was strict, but it was full of fun and full of animals. Um, they had they were allowed to have all different kinds of animals. Cats, dogs, hamsters, guinea pigs. I think there were frogs. There were pet mice. And at one time, there was a pet monkey. Yeah, there was a pet monkey by the name of Genie. And uh, <laughs> Genie was a very naughty monkey, um, as many monkeys are. 
at least that's the reputation. And so when people would come visit, Jeannie would invariably get loose and start harassing the ladies, trying to grab their hats and swinging from the curtains. And, of course, uh, Mrs. Booth, uh, Catherine Booth, knew this was just not acceptable. And so she got on to Eva about that. So Eva and the family's cook decided that perhaps if they made a Salvation Army uniform for Jeannie the monkey, that Jeannie would, um, Jeannie would behave herself. And so they made a little uh, uniform, excellent replica of the actual Salvation uniform, right down to the bonnet, the same kind of bonnet that Catherine wore. Well, Catherine comes home, and onto the table leaps Jeannie the monkey in her Salvation Army uniform. And Catherine looks at it, and she looks at Eva, and she says, Eva, the uniform has got to go. And Eva, of course, a little girl, crying, why? And she said, Jeannie doesn't live the life. And, you know, that's an excellent object lesson that just changing our outward appearance doesn't change who we are. So that's an example of the kind of fun that the um, Booth kids were able to enjoy growing up, despite the fact they had very strict fam- uh, very strict rules in the home and a very strict family. Now, they weren't allowed to play any games that had even the slightest hint of evil. But um, one of their favorite games to play was Noah's Ark. Um, their parents had purchased for them a wooden replica of Noah's Ark with the little animals that would go and fit into the Ark. It was kind of like a dollhouse. And so they liked to play with this on Sunday, and they would reenact the story of Noah, and then they would reenact the final scene where some of the animals were sacrificed. But William Booth was walking by one day, and he noticed the kids, and they were sacrificing the animals that were chipped and maybe had an ear missing or a leg missing or paint rubbed off. And he, uh, he sat down and gave them a little Bible lesson about how we don't give to the Lord what's broken and what we don't really care about anymore, but we always give to the Lord our very best. Now, um, they did also play Salvation Army. And they would take their dolls and their uh, little stuffed animals, if they, if they had stuffed animals, and they would prop them up and preach to them, and they would have a song service, and they would have a, an altar call. And Eva really got into that. And um, one of the uh, family's, uh, probably the cook, one of the family servants had remembered seeing uh, Eva praying with her doll at the altar. Now, um, it's said that in the early years, the boys insisted on leading the meetings, but that changed, especially as Eva got older. And it's said that Eva's first attempt at a sermon occurred when she was under five years old, and she preached it to the family servants, and she used a nursery rhyme for a text. Um, Now, Eva was always a fiery child, had a fiery personality, a fiery passion for whatever she was involved in, and she dearly loved her sister who um, had learning disabilities, rather severe learning disabilities, and she fiercely loved and protected that sister. Well, one time she slapped the family's tutor, and I'm sorry, I am all on Eva's side on this. The tutor uh, became angry with Eva's sister and pulled her hair, pulled her hair, And I think told her something to the effect that she was being stupid. Well, Eva was outraged, slaps the tutor. Of course, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Booth can't let this just go. And so um, 
Mrs. Booth reprimanded Eva, but Eva refused to say she was sorry because she wasn't. And when her mother began to cry, Eva said, Okay, Mom, I'm nearly sorry. Nearly sorry. She was never completely sorry for it. But I admire the honesty, and I also think it's interesting that Catherine then accepted that. Probably, if you only knew, Catherine would have liked to have uh, slapped that tutor also. But being a Christian of the holiness persuasion, she knew that such behavior would not be pleasing in the eyes of God. Well, Evangeline uh, was one of those people that if she did something, it wasn't just a spur-of-the-moment thing. It was because she thoroughly thought it through and felt very strongly about it. So, if she slapped her tutor, it wasn't just a flash thing. It was because she felt very strongly about it. Hence, why she refused to apologize. All right, so now let's talk about Evangeline's spiritual life, um, how she got saved. She was raised in a Christian home. She was uh, she was in the womb while her mother was up preaching. She attended Salvation Army meetings, or as it was originally called, London Christian Mission meetings. Everything in her life revolved around the church, uh, around Christ, around the gospel, around reaching the lost. And so... It's interesting that it wasn't until she was 10 years old that Eva was actually born again. Well, well, when she was 10, Eva's mother decided she could use a little culture. Um, Not sure uh, what was going on that made uh, Catherine feel this way, but no doubt, based on the outcome, she was led of the Lord on this. And so she had the housekeeper take Eva to see some of, and I'm going to mispronounce this, so please forgive me, Gustave Doré's paintings. And some of the illustrations he had done for Bible stories. Very beautiful, beautiful, and uh, very moving. So, the lady, uh, the housekeeper, takes Eva to the art museum. Ten-year-old Eva. She's looking at the paintings. And she's just fascinated at seeing Jesus in the paintings. And she said later on that she had seen so many... uh, She had heard so many stories of Jesus, but she had never really seen a picture of him. And this kind of took the Bible stories about Jesus and made them come a little bit more to life. And she was especially touched by a painting that showed a demoniac, a demon-possessed person in need of help. And she looks to the housekeeper, who was also a Christian, and she says, Why doesn't he throw the things away from himself? And that wise housekeeper responded to Eva, and she said, You can't throw things away without the help of Jesus. And Eva's response was very simple and very profound. And she said, Do they cling too hard? And the housekeeper said, Yes. Now, considering that Eva Eva will spend the rest of her life reaching out to the lost, reaching out to the rejects of society, reaching out to people bound by things like alcoholism and gambling addiction and drug addiction, and to have that revelation there at 10 years old that sometimes things cling too hard for us to get free of them without Jesus Christ. I think that's a wonderful thing that she got that revelation so young. And she said she later wrote in this picture, My child's logic saw the reason for the cruelty to Christ on the cross, and my own future spread out before me. My life 
should be lived for the poor, the wicked, the helpless. They should have my life. They should have all of it. Well, that night, Eva couldn't sleep. And she finally rushed into her parents' bedroom and asked for their help. She told them that she was upset and that she knew that she wasn't saved. She knew she wasn't born again and she wanted to be saved. And so they got out of bed and they knelt down, no doubt one on either side of Eva, kneeling down by their bed as she gave her heart to the Lord. And Catherine later commented that she was pleased that Eva had decided to follow the Lord on her own and that it wasn't through them pressuring her, it wasn't through them forcing her, but it was merely by living out the gospel before her every day and providing her that basis of teaching and exposure to the things of God. And so that is how Evangeline Booth was born again. So Eva, um, she felt the same passion for the lost and the poor that her parents did. And she joined the Salvation Army. And the interesting thing about this is when Eva joined, she knew better than most people what being a Salvation Army officer entailed. She grew up with it. She was home when she would hear her parents weeping and praying for the lost. She was home when she would hear them discussing problems that they were facing. She knew the beauty of it, and she also knew the harsh realities of it. She knew the heartbreak that was associated with it, the uh the hard work that was associated with it. Hers was no mis, uh, misled romantic notion of what she was getting into. She knew she was signing up for a very hard life that was going to be filled with a lot of sadness. It was going to be filled with a lot of heartbreak, but it was also going to be filled with working for the Lord and seeing victories come through the power of God. So, she joined. And her father was determined that he was not going to show any favoritism to his children. And so she started out at the very bottom, just like any anybody that signed up would. He did not believe in practicing, what's the word, nepotism. So, donning the uniform at the age of 15, Eva was tasked with selling copies of the Salvation Army magazine, The War Cry. Now, the reason they sold copies of the war cry instead of just handing it out is because people were more likely to read something that they had paid for. And if they paid for this subscript, if they paid for this copy of the war cry, they would be more likely to read the articles in it about salvation, about the Bible's teachings, about testimonies of people that the Lord had touched. And so there was a bigger chance that they would be truly impacted by it. So, as Eva would do for the rest of her life, she threw everything she had into selling copies of the war cry and became one of their best saleswomen. Uh, all the while, keeping her true identity hidden from the public. Nobody outside of the Salvation Army knew that she was a William Booth's daughter. Now, most of her sales took place in the very roughest part of town where more uh, normal, sane people wouldn't go, but that's where, uh, that's where Eva headed. And you know, it's the roughest part of towns that truly need the gospel message the most. Well, now, Eva was so committed to 
Being a good Salvation Army officer, and by good I mean effective, being able to really make a difference, not just go through the motions of trying to reach people, but really being able to reach people. And she felt like she could reach them better if she was one of them. So Eva actually left home and lived in the slums and supported herself selling flowers in Piccadilly Circus. So it was kind of uh, a bit like uh, the beginning of My Fair Lady where she was selling flowers. Eva worked as a flower girl. Now her goal was to learn all she could about the lives of those she wanted to reach. And she did learn, and Eva was able to survive on her own in the streets. Now, one night, she was stopped by an older gentleman that was concerned for this young woman out on the streets, and he told her that he wished that she would go to seek help at the Salvation Army. He had no idea that she was an officer, had no idea she was William Booth's daughter. And he assured her that whatever it was she needed, they could help her and they would help her. And he said, and if you go, you could get saved too. And Eva was so delighted at that, that instead of heading to her home there in the slums, she rushed home to her mom and dad's house to tell them about what had happened. She was delighted at that witness of the impact that the Salvation Army was beginning to make. Now, one of the interesting stories from that time had to do with a guy named Bones. Early, early, early one morning, uh, I think it was right around New Year's, it was so cold outside, and Eva heard a fight taking place outside of her home here in the slums. And she rushed outside and found one police officer had been knocked unconscious and was sprawled out in the gutter, and two men were fighting. Apparently, the officer had tried to break up the fight. Well, she managed to distract the larger of the two men by just laying her hand on his shoulder and speaking to him. And when he turned to look at her, the smaller guy took off running and was able to get away, so she did put a stop to the fight. And by this time, the cop had regained consciousness and was standing up out of the gutter, straightening his uniform, and was ready to arrest the taller of the men, the one that was left over from the fight. Uh, and he was known to the police and to people in the neighborhood as Bones because he was so very skinny you could practically see his bones through his skin. Now, Eva managed to convince the cop to let her take Bones to his home. And uh, as she was taking Bones back to his home, she found out he sold fish and chips for a living. And she said, well, where do you get your uh, ingredients? And he said, I steal them. So she gets him to his uh, house, and he just lived in pitiful condition. It wasn't a house. I think it was basically a corner in a cellar. And he had injured himself during the fight, so Eva took some time and bandaged up his head and then told him she was coming back the next day to visit him. And the next day, he had... uh, awakened and he was shocked he didn't really have much memory the night before he was shocked that little eva was the one that had escorted him home and bandaged him up and he was very appreciative of her help and appreciative that she had helped keep him out of jail well not long after her last visit with bones eva fell sick with a fever no doubt being in some of the um, very cold conditions that she was living and working in and her parents brought her home And she awoke a few days later, and when she woke up, she found Bones standing next to her bed with a bag of grapes for her. 
And she asked him, how'd you get in my room? And he said, well, there was some guy standing outside, and I just knocked him in the head and walked right in. <laughs> and he told Eva that he had sold his jacket and waistcoat to get some grapes for her, and she was so very touched. And he visited with her for a little while, and then said later he wanted her to come back to his place because he had something that he wanted to show her that his mother had given him. So when Eva is well, she goes back, and she visits with him, and out from under his mattress, he pulls three pages from a Bible. And he said his mother had given them to him and had encouraged him to make sure that he met her in heaven, and then she had passed away. And he handed the pages to Eva, and she read them to him. One of them was part of the Beatitudes from Matthew. And after reading how Jesus was bruised for our iniquities, Bones was very quiet and very solemn, and he said to Eva, a little captain, that was her rank in the Salvation Army, little captain, Jesus wasn't fighting for himself, was he? And Eva said no, and then she led him to the Lord based on those scriptures from the pages that his mother had left him. She led him to the Lord before she left. And uh, he was truly born again. He turned his life around. And uh, years and years later, he was still serving the Lord. And I think it's precious that his mother had left those pages for him. And uh, it was Eva that read those pages to him and led him to the Lord so that when he died, he was able to go and meet his mother in heaven. So as you can see, Eva was uh, very unusual, very, uh, very passionate about what she did, very committed to it. And, again, very fearless, um, not afraid of anybody or afraid of going into any part of town. And the Lord uh, kept his hand on her and kept her safe. As Eva grew older in the army, she had opportunities to speak and to preach. And she had a very powerful stage presence. Um, she also had a tremendous gift for oratory, for public speaking. And she was complimented by people um, not just people that were trying to flatter her, but people like um, Parliament, uh, gentlemen that were serving in Parliament that had an opportunity to hear Eva speak, were very moved and very impressed by the gifts that the Lord had given her. And it actually a group of them had invited her to come speak to them and said, deal with us as you would sinners that you encountered on the street. And Eva did just that. Um, but she had a tremendous gift and was complimented by some of England's most gifted speakers. Yet Eva always used this gift for the Lord. She never used it for personal gain. She never used it for personal fame, but she used it for the Lord. And she could also sing and accompany herself on what was called a concertina, which I think is similar to an accordion. And the Lord had given her a powerful gift to be able to command the attention of an audience. And this will become uh, more important as she, as she grows older. But there was no doubt the Lord had called her and gifted her with what she needed for the work that lay ahead. Now, Eva never married, and she was never particularly interested in romance. At one time, she did have a Russian prince who did his very best to try to uh, capture Eva's heart, albeit unsuccessfully. 
but she got a lot of marriage proposals, sometimes from people she didn't know. And the way that Eva handled all the marriage proposals was uh, giving them to her mother. She would forward them to her mother to answer on her behalf. And as I said, she was pursued by all kinds of men, including a Russian prince. Uh, some people estimate the number of proposals she received as being in the hundreds. Um, now, I don't know if she, I'm sure she didn't release that number, but she was a very attractive young woman, a very gifted young woman, a very striking uh, woman. And no doubt there were a lot of men that were interested in her. But she and her sister Marion ended up old but happy spinsters. Now, as she um, continued her work, her dad, General Booth, recognized that she had a lot of gifts the Lord had given her. And so he put her in charge of the Salvation Army Training College. And uh, she had no college education of her own. Uh, her mother had homeschooled her, but she had never been to college. And this is where her organizational abilities and her troubleshooting abilities really began to shine, as well as her ability to encourage others. So that wraps up what I wanted to include here in the first part of Evangeline Booth. And I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening.